Yeah, we went to we went out to eat one time and it was like someone's like, Oh, I've heard of this really great restaurant, like a friend of a friend, and we showed up and it was just you looked around, and you're kinda like, Where are we? And then you walked in and the restaurant was just bare and there was just like one guy in this dark room and he was just like there on a ladder and I don't even know what he was doing, and we're like, Sorry, bye, and just turn around oh, and just wait, like left. Will, is that the one we well, went that was to? us, right? Yeah, yeah, oh. you were with us, right? Okay, so Dr. Coates, you were just hearing um, the story of how we almost got murdered. Hey, welcome to Rec Reflect. Today we have Dr. Shannon Coates from Frisco Parks and Rec. Shannon gives us her journey from Florida all the way to Frisco and how she implemented Play Frisco when she became the director. She also talks about how she sets high expectations and gets out of people's way to let them meet them. We also get into a subject near and dear to my heart. Should we start a Rec Reflect book club, Jordan? Absolutely. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Okay, hi. Sorry, I'm not a Zoom user. I'm a Teams user. So every time I get on here, I'm always like, I I don't even know what to put. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I love your background. Thank you. Where did you find that at? I stole it. Your backyard is beautiful. <laughs> I know. That's I not your it. real house? No, I wish. I would love to have a pool like that. No, actually, I'm out I on like, 15 acres. I was like, where are they acres. paying you, Frisco? No, <laughs> I'm out on 15 acres with my horses and my chickens and, yeah. Okay, so we can relate because I'm out on five acres and I'm like having to, I can only connect my Wi-Fi with uh, my phone sometimes because my yes. satellite Wi-Fi just is a no-go so i i feel your pain there dr coates <laughs> yeah i luckily we've got so before at&t started really restricting things we had bought one of those mobile i think it's a netgear router and got them mm-hmm. to give us an unlimited plan which they don't do that anymore on those routers because they realized how much data people use so there are times so but the downside is so then you can't upgrade it because once you upgrade, AT&T wants you to change your plan. So we've been doing the same thing in portions. We just use our our phones as hotspots. Hot yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I feel your pain there. I keep getting told, like, oh, well, 5G, 5G is going to come down the road, and they're just going to put a little pod right there on your house, and it's going to omit all the 5G you need, and you'll be set. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> waiting for the day for that to happen. Okay, I do have a park-related question for both of you. Do you think we would ever get to a point where we would put Wi-Fi connectivity in public parks, like as standard? As a standard, I'm not sure, but I do know that there are a lot of parks that, that do that. There are cities that do have things that are accessible. So I actually came out to Texas from Gainesville, Florida. And in Gainesville, one of the things that we were pursuing there was actually installing benches, which I think they may have done over in Grapevine here. And those benches that, that look very unobtrusive, they look like normal park benches, um, actually are hotspots themselves. And so some of them even have the ability for you to sit and charge your phone like with your cord. And then you can also right. use them to connect so that you can be on the internet in the middle of nowhere, essentially. Nice. I think there's going to be some places to have it. And then I think there's going to be a lot of places who are like, we're a Wi-Fi free zone. Um, yeah. But I do think one of the big areas, well, I don't know how it really works too well, but I think that there's going to be like more, like I said, Dr. Coates, I think your your charging stations thing is a big thing. 
because we're just going to move so much more electric with everything from like phones to cars, right? So like, who knows if we'll have charging places and, and parks or whatever for your cars, even if you like an electric car. I don't know how that's going to work, but like I heard them talking about that just on the radio today, like sooner rather than later, we're going to have these charging ports for electric cars just like all over the place too. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we, I, we do see quite a few of them here in Frisco. Um, so for a brief period, I lived in Frisco Square, so basically right by our city hall. And when I would walk my dog, there's a Cinemark right down there. And my dog and I would walk behind the Cinemark and find many Teslas parked and plugged in. And then I was surprised when I got into the parking garage and the, I thought, oh, they have electric charging stations on every floor of this parking garage. That's crazy. Isn't that just the most like Frisco thing right there? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I had to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. When I first came to Frisco and they, they gave me my business cards and then they sent me off to a conference, I had quite a lot of people that picked up the business card and went, oh, you're from Frisco. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, I was I worked in the Woodlands for a little while. Okay. So I don't know how, so I got the same kind of looks for a lot of things. Like, oh, you're with the township, huh? You're with the Woodlands <laughs> township, aren't you? And I'm like, Yes. And the worst part was, I don't know, I'm sure you're a frequent of the, the Traps Institutes, but the, the year we'd go to the Institute, we rented a car and we rented out like, it was El Paso, we rented out like the nicest Escalade. Yes. It was just like, we rolled up and I was like, oh man, we are being so woodlands right now. This is, this is just giving fuel to the fire to everyone. I will say that my experience in El Paso going down for that, I absolutely fell in love with the city. I had never been to El Paso. Oh, yes. I definitely yeah. loved, I found, um, it was really a little coffee shop that was made out of a storage container. So I visited that every morning, <laughs> but I will yes, tell you, I went was, there. you went there too. It was quite yes. an experience being, getting there because of all the wind and dust storms. And I, they kept saying, just make sure you stay on the right side of the right side of the border. Like do not cross the border. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember Is it that. possible to accidentally cross the border? I don't think you could accidentally like, unless you were like just walking and got lost, but fair. yes. <laughs> yeah. We went to, we went out to eat one time and it was like, somebody's like, Oh, I've heard of this really great restaurant, like a friend of a friend. And we showed up and it was just, you looked around and you're kind of like, where are we? And then you walked in and the restaurant was just bare. And there was just like one guy in this dark room and he was just like there on a ladder and I don't even know what he was doing. And we're like, sorry, bye. And just turn around oh, and just wait, like left. Will, is that the one we <laughs> That was to? us, right? Yeah, oh. yeah, you were with us, right? Okay, so Shannon, you you are Dr. Coates. You were just hearing um, the story of how we almost got murdered. Okay, well, first of all, so Shannon's fine. And okay. secondly, I'm glad you didn't get murdered because it sounds a little bit sketchy. <laughs> It was, it was a you little- You were with me that, weren't you? Yeah, that was really weird. Um, it, we- <laughs> had a lot of Yelp, good Yelp reviews. And then we went in That's and, right. and it was just a guy standing halfway through partially lit. I, yeah, I don't know. He okay. So waiting for us, uh, <laughs> he was, so he, he specifically was filling out Yelp reviews. He's like, I'm going to get one of them traps members. I'm going to get one of them. So, um, so Shannon, uh, okay. So you have a PhD, you are Dr. Coates. What is your PhD in? So my, it's interesting. I, I tell this a lot um, because I got into the field of parks and recreation kind of through a lifelong journey. So my PhD is actually in educational leadership. Uh, I have a focus in research and evaluation methods. Okay. So then I get to ask the parks and rec side question. So 
Jordan can have the, the PhDC. So, so what do you do currently right now in Parks and Recreation? So currently I'm the Director of Parks and Recreation for the City of Frisco. I've been here since uh, July 31st, 2017, of which during that time we've completely reframed uh, our entire department and really are, are known now as Play Frisco. So a lot of my research and my, my interest as I had gone back to school really focused around play and following a lot of Dr. Stuart Brown's work, who we're so, so excited. He will be speaking next week at TRAPS here in Frisco. So we're very excited to have Dr. Brown on site and really just to focus and remind people of the importance and the value of play, not just for kids, but for everybody. Yeah. So hey, Will, so we get, get to interview chance. him. We do? Yeah. Yes. Yes, Sorry. you do. And I'm like breaking yes. news on the podcast to myself. He called. <laughs> yes, he actually called me to make sure that you all were still interviewing him. Yes. Was he like, was, did he, what, did he say, are these guys legit? No. I, should I really no. waste my time well, with the, these well, guys? The, well, the short answer is, is that we're lovable idiots. Like impractical True. jokers, maybe? Is that yeah. kind of the same feel? I could, yeah. I could, I've been called worse than that. So let's let's kind of let's marry the two here. So so tell us a little bit about your your journey, Shannon, and how you got into recreation from basically the educational leadership stuff. Like what got you to where you are today? How how do we become the next Shannon Coates? Well, so it, it's definitely been an interesting journey. So actually, my my bachelor's degree is in elementary education. I was a teacher, and so I taught uh, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, briefly eighth grade. And really my goal was to, I, I, I moved around a lot in those first four years. I did public school, private school, charter school. And really my goal was to get enough experience so that I could start my own charter school. And I wanted the focus to be, of course, great education, but also that every child would know how to swim when they came out of the school at no cost to their parent. So, because it's not only a, a, a fun thing to do, it's a life-saving skill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I felt that that was really important, especially living in Florida. So I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, and then my dad moved us up to the Orlando area my last two years of high school. So I was always around the water. Um, also been a competitive swimmer since I was eight. So that I swam in college and just always had such a huge passion for teaching and really talking to people about the importance of safety around water. So after I had taught for a while, there was a big trend for charter schools to have a principal and a vice principal, one an education major, one a business person, because most charter schools, quite frankly, go under, because just because you're a good teacher doesn't mean you can run a business. So I went back to the University of Central Florida, and I got an, an MBA, and I was prepared to find a partner and, and start, launch my school. But when I did that, I actually got hired by the city of Cocoa Beach. And you know, throughout my early career, every time I wasn't teaching, I was teaching swimming and I never realized parks and rec was a career. I mean, I tell this all the time. I'm like, I didn't know it was a real career that people did year round, but I just knew that I first want to say that on this podcast. I think (laughs) I knew I was so happy when I was doing it and seeing the joy that it brought to people and doing programs and different things um, that I, you know, I kind of just fell in love with it. And when I got the opportunity to go to Cocoa beach and work at their pool of all things and, then finished my MBA and then got hired by the city of Gainesville. And they were really looking for a recreation manager of which I knew almost nothing except aquatics. And they said, well, I mean, you can teach and you have an MBA. Do you think you can run capital projects? I said, sure. So they hired me as the recreation manager. 
And then I thought, well, since I'm there, I should go back to school. That's how I ended up with the PhD. And then when I graduated with my PhD, it just so happened the city of Frisco was looking. I had never heard of Frisco, put in an application and expected to be told no because I hadn't been a director before. Uh, came out for a couple of interviews and they hired me. So I tell my staff all the time. And in fact, I'm teaching a class right now for UNT and I tell them all the time. The reason that I got to where I am is because I was always willing to take a risk and because I never said no. And the amount of experience that it gave me to come in here as a director into a large city, we're about 200,000 in Frisco, you know, well-established city. I said, because I didn't say no to things they offered me in Gainesville, even things that were outside of my job description, I learned about park operations. I learned about how to run a golf course. I learned about HR issues. I learned, I got certified in lean processes, everything they offered I took. And so when I say it's a journey, it has been, but that journey has got to be that you're open to whatever those opportunities are because you don't know where that's going to take you. Yeah. I think that's a really cool journey journey to hear, especially from someone who I wouldn't, you know, call you, but like, you know, you didn't come from the recreation background, the recreation yeah. field, and then you're able to step into it and implement a vision. And tell us a little bit about implementing that new vision in Frisco. You talked a little bit about the play Frisco thing. What was the whole idea behind that? So I knew when I came in, so one of the important things, especially in a city like Frisco, so I'll back up for just a second, coming from Gainesville most recently, um, there was really, everyone just assumes, well, Gainesville, it's the University of Florida. And it is, and that's a huge component. And you do have some very well-off families there, professors and different things like that. But you also have a side of Gainesville that is very poor. And so a lot of my time spent there was spent subsidizing programs, making sure kids had positive things to do, you know, getting, getting speakers and different people. You know, we were very fortunate during part of the time I was there, Tim Tebow was still at the University of Florida, who one of his main goals was to give back. And so he'd show up at events and do all of these wonderful things with the kids. Um, Shaquille O'Neal had come up. I mean, we just, time out. We, we, <laughs> time out. Did you meet, did you meet Tebow? Yes. Yes. He was like, he one hold of up? The, so nice. Nice. It really Very one cool. of the, just so nice. And he would come out to some of the girls softball games and he was so wow. positive and always spread such a good message. Um, so we were very fortunate to pull from those student athletes from many different sports that they would come over and help. Well, so then when I came to Frisco and I started to get settled in again, not being familiar with North Texas at all. I remember even coming for my interview when I was, I was dri being driven around and I saw our athletic center and it had a water park and they drove me through these neighborhoods and they essentially all had their own water parks. I mean, these beautiful HOA buildings and you could just tell that it was such a, a good, successful, well-built out city. And I remember going home and thinking, why am I here? Like, why, why are we all here? Because it, and I mean that because it wasn't as if they don't need parks and recreation but because this is a different type of community in which their options are so much wider and they have the ability to do so many more things compared to the other community I, I worked for that I thought, what is our real purpose here and how are we gonna make a difference? And so what I did was I came back to the staff and I just explained my experience. I said, I hope this doesn't come across you know, any particular way, but this is, this is what I'm seeing here. 
and, and why are you here? Why am I here? Why are we all here? Would it matter if we went away? And it made a lot of people really stop and think. And I said, so, okay, we know that we're useful. We're the professionals. We know the research behind it. How do we make ourselves so important to the community that they couldn't get rid of us? And so that's always been my question to them. If budgets were to be cut like they were in 2008, we saw entire departments go away in Florida. And, and so sharing that experience, I said, how could we ensure that that wouldn't happen here? And so we started brainstorming and working and doing all of these work sessions. And I started talking to them a lot about the concept of play and about Dr. Brown's work and, you know, how important it is to play even as adults. And a lot of them at first, they didn't really get it, I don't think. Buy into it. It was hard to get to buy into it. It was a hard buy because as soon as I say the word play, people think of little kids. And so it took a bit to get there. And so what we did, and we literally... So we changed all of our meeting structures. We put up whiteboards all over the back of our building here. I put markers out. I said, you guys, you need to start thinking about this and feeding into what you think this could be. And out of it became a reframing of the entire department. It became, okay, well, what do we want to do? We want to get people to play. All right, well, that sounds easy enough. How do we tell an adult that? And so what it turned into was a change in our mission, you know, creating a sense of well-being through play, creating our vision that play will become essential regardless of age or ability, writing a strategic plan with our five big plays, so our different goals, um, which helped let us know that we needed a natural resource division, which we formed about a year ago. And, and then I said, okay, so how do we, but how do we get people to play? How do we get them to do it? And I said, what do we do as a department? And so we literally filled up pages of, of papers and whiteboards, with, well, we could get them to play athletically. That's an easy one. Okay, well, and then I would say, well, what if we hate, what if you hate sports? Uh, what else do you like? Well, I like art. Well, could you play artistically? And then, yes, you could. All right, well, what if you hate art? Well, you could play dramatically. Okay, well, how else could you play? And so it turned into kind of a game. And we would do focus groups with the community and we would do focus groups with different portions of our staff. And then we'd bring the whole staff together as a department and we'd say, okay, here's our LY campaign. It became known, that, known as, here's our LY campaign of all the different ways you can play in Frisco. These are all the things we offer to the community. And the community just really latched onto it. And in fact, the part they've latched onto the most, which is interesting because you're familiar with Frisco and you know the development here, They've latched on to the most and the quickest play naturally. And so a huge component of what we've started doing is all about nature education. Um, you know, we used to do, for example, an egg hunt at Toyota Stadium here. And it was, it was literally, I don't know, 100,000 eggs or some crazy amount. It was kind of a free-for-all. Mm -hmm. And we, it, just, it was getting a bit much. And so we said, you know, we're hearing from the community that they want to play naturally. What if we really if we stopped that and what if we toned it down and what if we started a program called nature egg explorers and we had people searching for eggs on the trails and through the parks. It's, it's one of our most successful programs. So that's the, awesome. whole, the whole thing just really created a shift in who we are as a department. Was it, was it hard to, uh, cause I assume, you know, doing that at the Toyota center over there was, it was a successful program doing yeah. that egg, whatever you want to call it. Was it hard to get the public on board and saying like, Hey, we're going to, to pivot things here. And we're going to really try 
to shake things up, even though, or was it hard to get your department on board to like shake up things that were successful to try something new? For some, right? So one of the books that I implemented with the staff is called Who Moved My Cheese? And so I don't know if you all have read that or not, but if you haven't, you should. I'm writing it, is, it down right now. <laughs> okay, it is, it is a, I don't know the author off the top of my head, but it's very popular. Um, what I like about it is, is that it's really a, a parable and really it's got four main characters. I won't tell too much, but there's four main characters. And the good thing about it is as you see these characters, two are humans and two are mice. And as you see them work through their issues within the book, because their cheese is moved. And for the mice, of course, it's cheese, but for the people, it could be the Ferrari they wanted or the race they want or whatever it is. Um, what you'll find is that you likely identify with more than one character in the book, but most people find a favorite. And so what that did was create, we were able to read that as a team and then do workshops where we could leverage strengths and weaknesses and see how we could help each other. Anyway, so there was a lot of time spent, you know, really in preparation because anytime I, I come into a new team, I know that you've got to do team building. I know you need to get people prepared for change because you've got all different levels and types of adoption that happen throughout that process. And then with the community, what we had been doing is really getting out there and speaking and talking about these different concepts of play and getting them excited and helping them start to see that there were different alternatives. Uh, the other thing that we successfully did, which I think helped tremendously, is when I pitched this or presented it at our work session for city council, the mayor and, and staff, the city council loved it. And so they adopted it as a top 10 priority for the city, um, which wow. then, yeah, it was really amazing. So we, we really got on their radar and really became one of the priorities here in Frisco. So that helped too. And then we, you know, we did have some people in the community that were a bit disappointed, although I think most realized the program had kind of outgrown itself. And so they were interested in trying new things. And once, once we started launching the new programs, people were like, oh my gosh, why didn't we do it before? I think one of the biggest challenges for some of the staff is that, of course, you know, as Parks and Rec, although it's not all about generating revenue, certain things generate revenue. And so I think that's always one of the challenges when you make those changes is the panic yeah. of what if we don't do as good? What if we don't do as well? Right. Well, I think this also brings us to one of my things I've always wanted to do, Jordan, which is a start a Rec Reflect book club. So first book in uh, first Rec book Reflect rec. book club is going to be Who Stole? Who Moved who, My who Cheese? Moved the Cheese. So yeah. Who Moved My Cheese. So everybody <laughs> read Who Moved My Cheese. We'll do a follow-up up episode about Who Moved My Cheese later on. Well, and if I can throw another book out there that works yes, extremely well. Um, also, it. it is called Whale done w-h-a-l-e just like the whale shamu that i know they don't have there anymore um mm. but if you if you were to focus on those two books so who moved my cheese i will say this too you can read it read it in about 30 minutes which is a big plus whale done is written the same way and it's told as a story and we used that to launch our employee engagement program to really boost morale and um really show our employees how much we appreciate them, which we've got this coin system and all these different things. But at any rate, Well Done really focuses on, on how you get someone or something to do something without making them do it. And so the premise of the nice. book written as a story is certainly the trainers would have never walked out onto the deck and made a 
I don't know how much Shamu weighed, a couple tons, a few ton whale couldn't make him do anything. But by catching him doing the right things or good things, they could, through positive reinforcement, get him to want to do those things. And so the culture, as much as we were changing the mission and vision, we, I was also busy with my team changing the culture here. And that is the culture here in our department is that we catch people doing things well. And I've got a background on right now. Um, I don't know how I stop it, so I won't mess with it. So I don't <laughs> change it for you guys. Um, but, and I know things don't show up, but when we catch people doing things well, I don't know if you can see that or not. We give them an immediate recognition. We give them a coin. And then the important part about when you're doing recognition for staff is you catch them doing something good right then, but then they also save those coins. And when we have our quarterly meetings, they trade them in for, you know, swag and different things. Oh, I love it. Nice. Love it. So who that moved my well cheese done. and well done. well done. Got it. it. Jordan was the first person to tell me, uh, You'll attract a lot more people with honey than vinegar. Remember that, Jordan? Yeah. Throwback to our camp days. So I, I think that's yeah. great. Just like just celebrate the good, celebrate the success, right? Yeah. Rather than picking on the little bad yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. So, so Shannon, I am hearing a lot of things in your description of how y'all run things in your culture. And first, I'm saying I really wish you were my boss. Like. Like, it seems like you have a really healthy and fun. I hope your boss isn't listening to this. No, no, no. That doesn't, that, that doesn't mean, no, he's not. But that doesn't mean I don't like my boss. But I'm like, I see things. I'm like, oh, wow. That is like great stuff because it's a lot of stuff that I love and I, I want to be as a leader. And so I wonder if you could articulate your leadership philosophy because we've heard, heard it in action. But I would want to know, like, how would you articulate your personal leadership philosophy? That's a great question. Well, so thank you. I would be happy to be your boss ever if you find that you want to come to Frisco. Um, and we do have, we have an amazing team here and we see it again and again. We see, you know, in fact, and, and I know this isn't an answer to your question, but I would say just as to, to brag on them for a second. So we went through this horrible winter storm here everywhere, right in Texas. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, people were, I know I was out of power for almost five days. So wow. one of the things that they asked for, city manager's office asked for is, hey, for exempt employees, can you send us a list of people who worked overtime? And I went back to my team and I asked them for that. And I didn't, I didn't really get any response. And I thought, I know, I know they were working. And so I went back and I said, why are you guys, I know you were working, like, why aren't you sending me this information? And most of the response I got from them was, if it's for recognition or compensation, we don't want it because we're here because we love it and we love what we do. And we flexed our time because we wanted to, to follow our fiscal responsibility core value. And so in the end, I had so few things to, to send forward that I also outlined in an email to the city manager's office. It's not that we weren't working, but here are all the things the staff are telling me. So I, I say that just to, to brag on them because I'm proud of them. And also because I think the things that we've been doing are working. I would say that my leadership philosophy in general is you set really, really high expectations for everybody. You, you assume that everyone can be the best that they can be. And most people do rise to that. Um, they, they really do. I, I think you just have to have high expectations for people. I also think as a leader, it's really important for you to get out of their way. 
So I surround my people, uh, surround myself with people who, of course, complement my strengths and weaknesses. And I, hopefully I do the same for them. And then we get out of each other's way. We restructured everything. Um, we have very open conversations. We've had very successful team building. We are now at a point where our main leadership team, even our whole management team, which is about 31 people right now, can have safe arguments and everybody walks away going, we're better for it in the end. So I, I guess if I had to summarize it, it's really about setting clear expectations, but setting those expectations very high, expecting that everyone's all in with you, that they're, you know, we've all got to be rowing the same way if it's going to happen. And, you know, you find when you, I think when you set that up, when you set up those expectations, you've got, of course, the people who are so eager and they jump on right away. You've got the middle group who really is where you have to focus most of your time. And that's where those books like Well Done and Who Moved My Cheese come in so handy. And then you've got the group that they're likely never going to get on. And quite frankly, they, they move on. And that's okay, too. Do you expend a whole... Um any amount of time on those people that that they're that you've identified those the ones that dig in their heels and are like we're not changing we're not doing anything different absolutely yes you don't uh, well so i think i think one of the reasons that i've been successful and i i've laughed about this a lot i think teaching middle school prepared <laughs> me for anything that could potentially happen in life right so that's like god bless the middle school teachers honestly i i think they probably have it harder than anybody out there it's it's a it's an interesting age but you know one of the things i learned from that experience is that none of us are different we're just it we're different ages but we're really no different than the people we were when we were kids and so with those people that really at first dig their heels in no, of course you don't give up on them. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people, and I think it's because I really have an education background. I, you don't give up on anybody. But what I've seen happen, and I've seen it happen here, and it happened in Gainesville, is that you invest the time to try and get them on board. Mostly how you invest the time is you, if you can get that middle group shifted, they will pull those lower people or those people that are digging uh, in their heels. They will pull them up. They, they start doing the pulling for you? They do. They okay. do. It's a, it's a ladder system. You just get them to climb a ladder, run a ladder at the time. I also yeah. took from that that basically we're all just still middle schoolers, um, <laughs> yeah. just in bigger bodies. Well, well, you know, I will say I was a pretty big middle schooler, so I shouldn't be too different. But, yeah, we're all just middle schoolers, just in larger <laughs> bodies. I totally agree with you, and I will say this. So I stopped at Walmart yesterday for something totally different. And I might even be a kindergartner because I don't know. I found this nice. at the cash register. And so I, <laughs> oh, sorry. I bought... this is the podcast. So that's Play-Doh. We have to explain these things that's audio a... wise. Oh, I'm no. sorry. That was a, a yellow canister with a blue cap of Play-Doh. <laughs> yes. And I get such, I've had such uh, joy today playing with it as I've been on all the different types of calls because I'm one of those tactile people. So I sit and oh, yeah. play with the Play-Doh. <laughs> one of my favorite, have you ever tried kinetic sand? Yes, I love it. Addictive. 
I love it. So we, we had we had this issue. I don't know how many of if you've listened to our podcast or not yet, Shannon, but our first episode, you might have noticed a lot of clicking going on in the background. Uh, and so that was when I figured out that I was addicted to having to like, you know, touch or click something or uh, have something in my hand. Um, and because you listen back to that. And anytime I listen back to that first episode, I just cringe. I get every time I hear that Clin pick or pick. <laughs> pin clip i'm like oh there it is again there it is again so i had to get rid of all the pins in my vicinity anytime we do the podcast so a much quieter thing that you could do would be play-doh or um i most of us in our in my office have miniature slinkies oh nice i like that yeah i like that <laughs> okay cool. well uh shannon we're we're running up on our time and so we have just a few more questions that are that are mainstays with Rec Reflect. Will, music. Yes, we're, we're gonna go to our uh, our traditional question here. I don't know if you've heard it yet or not, uh, but we always like to ask everyone, and, and baseball is coming up very soon, and you guys have the Frisco Rough Riders, which I'm a huge fan of, so you better really nail this question, Shannon. Uh, what would be your walk-up song if you had a walk-up song to get you hyped when you're coming into Frisco, play Frisco? Yeah, so I, well, okay, so I'm probably known for this, for my persistence. So it would be Tom Petty's uh, Won't Back Down. Oh, very that's nice. Good. Well, not back that's down. That's a good one. That was, that's one of the best ones I've heard so far, personally. Yeah. Thank you. And it was so confident and quick. You didn't it even have confident. to, you're just like, yeah, here it is. Most people are like, ooh, let me think a little bit. But Shannon Coates says, here, we got Won't this. Won't Back Down. Back Down. Great song. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the last thing, um, so I love to give our guests the last word. So if you were having to, if you got the opportunity to, well, you will all in with the, with traps presentation. Um, but if you got the chance to sit down in a room with the directors of all of the cities in Texas parks and rec, what's something that you would want to impart on them? I would want to impart on them that play is critical to our survival. And so while I understand that we all work in different ways to promote play, I would love to see more messaging, more strategic messaging come out of our different departments that really tie back to the research of it. Because in the end, if we can encourage people and, and explain to them and teach them why it's so important, then we can keep them living longer, healthier lives better than any medicine they're ever going to take that's awesome wow that's little goosebumps right now that's good stuff <laughs> thank you well shannon thank you so much for for spending i know that you were having to rush from a meeting uh with your uh with your uh i can't remember what you told us but that you were super busy today we're super grateful that you took the time out of your schedule she's a director she's they're busy all the time i can tell you <laughs> right now well i'll tell you so we feel I, very no privileged Thank you so much. I, thank you for waiting for me and for rescheduling twice, I know. Um, so really what we were hung up with is, of course, Governor Abbott made his announcement yesterday about, you know, mask off 100%. And so we were scrambling today to figure out, really, what does that look like in Frisco? Oh, gosh. We might have to do a whole episode just on that. You probably yeah. would. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate the time. <laughs>